your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an ever Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so does not cost you a single cent and ensures you never miss another episode. Most of all, though, we just love and appreciate your support because you are why we sit at the mic and talk shop with you. On tonight's podcast, I wanted to wrap up some thoughts on Winnipeg versus Vancouver from last week. Obviously, this game was a very late Friday night game. You probably know the outcome, but I had some additional insight I wanted to provide and and maybe some thoughts on the overall trend of the team and where it's been going because, to be quite honest, I'm not really sure how I feel about this year's Jets. At first, uh, you know, earlier this season, I was pretty optimistic, but maybe I've cooled off a bit. I don't know. I have a really hard time figuring out if I feel any particular way. I kind of arrive at the conclusion I feel like that maybe they're just mediocre, but I feel like there's more to it than that. So I'll talk about that in a little bit. And then later on, we're going to continue our Advent Calendar series, which has been very fun. We recap some of the special memories and things that have dotted up throughout Winnipeg's past few years. Maybe some special players, standout moments etc, etc. We've covered everything from the magical 2014-15 team, which gave us our first taste of Jets playoffs, all the way to like Toby Enstrom and Dustin Bufflin, and what made them such pivotal parts of this team's defense. And we'll explore two other things, one of them being Mark Shifley and Game 3 against the Preds. If you know exactly what I'm talking about, it's because you either got to watch it or live through that unbelievable experience. If you can honestly believe it, it's been over three years. Pretty long time since the Jets had something that crazy in the postseason. First, though, let's talk about uh, the Jets in their most recent action, which, yeah, it wasn't what I would call ideal. I feel like this game against Vancouver wasn't nearly as bad as I, I make it sound at times, but I just wasn't really thrilled with the overall performance. Uh, you know, Thatcher Demko, as great as he was, and certainly he made some unbelievable stops, it was just frustrating because I feel like the way that the game was managed it took away a lot of ice time from other players that I felt could have made a contribution. You know, Evgeny Zvechnikov, for some reason, he's been demoted to the fourth line, and he basically played, what, four minutes at most? I get it, you want to rotate your top nine players and try to replace Wheeler's impact, but the thing with Blake at this point is that even though he had a major game in in that performance and was actually doing pretty well, overall, you know, I feel like Zvechnikov could definitely do the same job and fill in some of those gaps that the Jets have, and yet they didn't really use him, and the same goes for some of the other, like, fourth-line players. And look, I I get it. Roll three lines, especially in light of an injury. It's an understandable strategy, but this team has said in the past it gets tired. It gets fatigued. It's not prepared. And so if that is the case, and that's really what's happening with the squad, then why aren't you rotating? You know, why aren't you giving your fourth line more minutes? It's not like the fourth is actually bad. You know, Tenonato, I think, has been in that unit at times. You've got Janssen Harkins. Harkins, still a bit of a jury out kind of situation with him. Haven't really loved his game overall, but maybe he can find some value in extended minutes with a little bit more skill. 
But of course, Svechnikov is the player that I single out as the one that's just being very underutilized. If you want to give Harkins only a couple of minutes a night, I totally understand. I think that he has some limitations in his game and his ability away from like a play driving center to the point where, you know, it might actually be better to keep the shifts at a minimum. But with Svechnikov, this kid, he's honestly been one of our best two-way playmakers and he's got a lethal release. So I don't really understand why the Jets haven't given him more of a leash. You know, he's defensively responsible. He tracks back hard. He tries to force turnovers. He's actually a very effective four checker. He does the same stuff in his own defensive zone. When I think about a, a two-way power forward with a great shot, Zvech is actually more of that kind of mold than I was expecting. And so for me, it's just puzzling as to why the Jets don't want to give him more time, especially because I feel like his game might actually align to what Wheeler wants to do. If you're out Wheeler, then put Svechnikov up there. I won't say that it was the sole reason the Jets lost. I mean, Winnipeg got a little bit unfortunate at times. I think Demko made some unbelievable stops here and there. And of course, in overtime, Kyle Connor had this great chance, hit it off the post, and it sort of just flickered away, even though I thought it actually went into the net. I, I was definitely fooled by the angle. It looked like an absolute bullet, but somehow just stayed out. And then, of course, Winnipeg goes to a shootout and loses. But, you know, I, this team, for me, it's just not at the level that I was hoping. It, it is a back-to-back, -back, right? I get it. Against Vancouver, a team that's now got the Bruce boost from uh, Boudreaux's arrival, I get it. You know, it's it's tough. But by the same token, the Jets need to take advantage of teams that are considerably weaker on stuff like defense. Winnipeg has the creativity and ability to attack almost any opponent, and yet, at times, it feels like the better teams have really just taken the Jets to task. Uh, and some of the deployments and lineups, they're definitely getting eaten alive. The fact that the top line had, like, the first good performance of this entire season for that unit is pretty bad. I mean, that line has to go against other really good units and much better opponents outside of Vancouver, so if this is the first game that they've succeeded... Maybe you need to rethink your approach, but of course with the Jets, that doesn't really happen. So Wheeler going down with that injury that does appear to be long-term, that could change the uh, the arithmetic and, and certainly the lineup composition. I don't know what it's going to mean for the ice times yet. I, I imagine that there has to be some kind of a change. Zvechnikov, I feel like, should go back up. If we can get, you know, Kopp, Dubois, and Zvech again or something like that, I would really uh, find that line to be effective. Um, actually, I meant, sorry, Connor in place of Kopp. You know, Connor, Dubois, Zvech, that unit was amazing, was very much Winnipeg's top line. Kopp, Shifley, Ehlers could probably do a job. And I'd really like to see more of Christian Besselainen. I feel like he's got some really good technical ability and play driving ability that the Jets aren't taking advantage of. I, I think that there's more of a player than what we've seen with him so far. But unless he gets to play with other skill, it's not going to express itself in the way that it should. So with, uh, with Vesa and Zvechnikov, these guys need more ice time. Heinola, unfortunately, won't be getting any more ice time. He didn't get any to begin with because now he's been sent back down to the Moose after a couple of games of the press box. All I will say to that is that I'm glad that he got a paycheck because otherwise it was a bit of a waste. Such are the Jets with rookies, especially rookie defenders and stuff. It's it's frustrating, man. I, I have to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of irritated, but it is what it is. It's not surprising. We've all been through the same song and dance time and time again. No use getting mad about it because it's not changing. We have a bit of a break until Tuesday when the Jets next take on uh, the Buffalo Sabres. We'll see how the Jets handle that team. I mean, that should be a pretty straightforward game. I don't think it's going to be that difficult, but you know how Winnipeg is against some teams that they really need to take advantage of. 
uh, they often struggle. It's how Winnipeg can be. Going to limit my complaints, though. You know, the the, uh, the Blue Bombers just won an amazing title. If you missed that game, be sure to check out the highlights against Hamilton. And so the vibes are still good. And I think it actually might be time to keep those good vibes going and move towards our Advent Calendar series, talking about some of the best moments and players from Jets' recent history. And we'll kick it off with Mark Shifley in just a moment. But before I talk about Mark... I thought you should hear about DirecTV Streaming and why it should be one of your number one choices for all of your multimedia needs. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV all together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract whatsoever. So get rid of that clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Compatible with device required. Content varies by package. Go to directtv.com for more information. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, just want to say thanks for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. We uh, talked a little bit about Winnipeg versus Vancouver earlier. Obviously a bit of a disappointing game with a frustrating end, but, you know, it is what it is. And I thought it would be cool to go back down memory lane. We've been doing an advent calendar series of players and games and performances throughout Winnipeg's recent franchise history that uh, has been very exciting or has shown us tremendous growth over the years. And, uh, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about Mark Shifley. Shifley, I think, for a lot of fans has been something of a polarizing figure lately. I know I myself have been, well, very hot and cold with him. He's a very frustrating player because there's a version of Shifley that we know is, I mean, he's unbelievable at times. The stuff that he's able to pull off and the skill that he exhibits, he really is like a top-end franchise talent. But of course, at times you sort of get the feeling that he's not giving 100% of what he could, and I'm not really sure if it's a systems thing or a role change or something, or if he's just not as happy as he used to be. Whatever the case may be, the version of him that we have right now isn't quite as dominant as he was a couple of years ago. And the interesting thing about his whole rise to prominence was that when he was drafted, you know, a lot of people were kind of puzzled by Winnipeg's selection. The player that we had in like 2016, 2017, roughly when he was at his peak, he was never really predicted to be that kind of center. In fact, Shifley got taken ahead of Sean Couturier, and I think a lot of people had the question about, you know, would the Jets end up ruining that decision? Coots has been an unbelievably great center for Philadelphia. He's been their equivalent of like a Nikolai Ehlers, somebody who for many seasons was very underappreciated, and the only reason that people started to recognize his talent outside of, say, Philadelphia, was because all of a sudden, the points started flowing freely. With Shifley, I, I think it was a little bit of a different process. You know, Mark kind of came into this league, and he had some very interesting quirks. For one thing, his balance was very off under pressure. It felt like he stumbled a lot, especially when somebody was uh, really aggressive on the forecheck against him. And so people kind of joked about him being Bambi legs. But aside from like some early wisecracks and things, I, I just think Shifley looked like a really talented top six player, but I don't know if anyone predicted that he would essentially have a meteoric rise from his rookie season all the way to where he is now. 
Shifley became very much a top-line center after just a couple of years, even in the early seasons when he was still finding his way and starting to earn his place with the Jets. You could tell that Mark was just an offensive force. His vision was there. His passing was immaculate. He had a great, great release. He was just a really well-rounded Swiss Army knife of offense, and uh, increasingly it felt like Winnipeg's desire to find like a first-line center might actually be satisfied internally. It was clear that Brian Little wasn't going to be around forever, and uh, obviously with the, the Atlanta Thrashers core that was aging out, you know, there was a, a question of a next generation, and the Jets' ownership and management really felt Shifley was that guy. It took him a couple of seasons, though, to start ramping up his production, and by, you know, the, the season before 14-15, he was starting to look more and more like a top-end talent, even though he uh, his modest points production wasn't really something that said elite, elite player, he was still starting to rack up points. Um, the scoring rate that he had based on his time on ice was actually looking pretty tasty. He was rocking a bit of a high shooting percentage, but it was clear that there was a talented player there. And then 14-15 came around, and under you know Paul Maurice and this, this new regime for the Jets, Shifley started to bloom. And after that, his ascendance just kind of skyrocketed. Mark didn't put up like 100-point seasons, but you could tell that the talent was there to have exceptional offensive ability. He was a great creator of space. His vision and IQ were at a level where, you know, he was elevating the play of his teammates around him. And so I think a lot of people were thinking, Shifley was the guy that the Jets had long been seeking. An elite two-way center with an unbelievable shot, a great sense of offensive instinct, Pretty good edge work, and I think the reputation around him was that he was a hardworking, not necessarily grindy player, but somebody with a strong work ethic and a desire to improve, and so he really fit that Winnipeg vibe. There was a time when I thought he was really like Team Canada caliber. In fact, there were a, a couple of seasons where he was just, he was like a top 10 center in the NHL, and I feel like a lot of people sort of miss that when they talk about him nowadays because, you know, I think the biggest frustration with me is that that version of him, I, I do believe, still exists somewhere. We just haven't seen it recently. The crazy thing is, is that he's still unbelievably talented inside the offensive zone when it comes to scoring and, you know, chance creation, uh, creativity on the puck. There aren't many players out there who can match what Shifley can bring. So I, I feel like in that respect, he's still the elite franchise talent the Jets have always been coveting. It's just that his overall game hasn't really been as elite as it used to be. And I think that that has maybe coincided with how the Jets have been playing over the past couple of years. I feel like under a new head coaching system, maybe, and certainly a different approach to how our lines are deployed, I think Shifley would start to find his old form again. He's clearly a phenomenal talent, and, uh, you know, we've gotten to watch some really great seasons from him over the last couple of years. You know, he is 28 now, and so he's starting to get towards the end of his current contract, and certainly he's probably getting closer to the end of his prime, and it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to his game at the age of like 30, 31, 32. You know, a lot of guys tend to fall off of a cliff. Shifley might be the kind of player where he actually ages out gracefully. It's really hard to tell with him, in part because we just haven't seen his best recently, and I don't know if it's like an age-related decline or something. I'm not inclined to believe it is. I think it's something else going on with him. But at least for the past few years, we've gotten to watch some unbelievable goals he's scored. He's been, you know, one of our primary lead attackers. And uh, one of the earliest fruits yielded from Winnipeg's commitment to draft and develop. Shifley, of course, played a major role in the 2017-2018 magical season. 
Now we've talked about what made that season special, but I actually wanted to highlight one more thing from that year, a game that I think is particularly memorable for just about every Winnipeg fan out there. And in just a moment, we'll talk about Game 3, Nashville versus Winnipeg, one of my all-time favorite hockey games, regardless of the teams playing. Before we head on to that, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about why Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market and why you should make them your stocking stuffers during this holiday season. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or honestly, even better than your favorite candy bar. Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, fat, and guilt. You get the best of both worlds because it's delicious and healthy. You have so many flavors to choose from. Are you up for raspberry or mint brownie? Maybe cherry or double chocolate? You might even be up for cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie. Don't tell your family your favorite flavor, though. You might just spark a debate at the next family dinner. Built Bars give you that extra energy you need to bust down these mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just stuck standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. Throw one in your jacket or purse because you never know when you'll need it. Make sure to tell Santa to drop a few extra Built Bars in your stocking before the holidays roll around. Whether you want to enjoy your Built Bar plain or even dip it in hot chocolate for an extra gooey flavor, it's the perfect holiday treat. Go to Built.com and be sure to use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. BetOnline has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Not into football? No problem, because BetOnline has you covered for all of the other sports action you could possibly want. It should be your number one destination for all your online betting needs. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Whether you want to play some bets on a Baltimore Ravens game, or you're more interested in who might be your standout scorer from the next Winnipeg Jets outing, BetOnline should be the only place you place your online bets on that next hotly anticipated game. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so don't hesitate to sign up today for a free account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight with some thoughts on, uh, you know, Winnipeg's 2017-2018 season, which I talked about in, in a larger episode earlier uh, last week or maybe the week before. But this time I wanted to focus on one particular game from that season. It was one that I got to experience. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. But, you know, again, for our Advent Calendar series, I think it's an important memory to revisit because I think that was the first time that, aside from just thinking the Jets were an amazing team, that was the the game that really sealed it for me that the Jets were going to win the Cup that year. I know it obviously didn't happen, but in the way that that game panned out and the way that the Jets had come back from adversity, had found themselves down 3-1 and clawed back to win 7-4, in the way that the atmosphere felt inside MTS in the way that the fans were dancing in the streets. It was an atmosphere unlike anything else I've ever experienced. And getting to spend time with all of my friends there, uh, you know, hanging out with the Jets fans, living basically for a week and a half or so in Winnipeg, it was an experience that I'll never get to have again, most likely. I hope that I do one day, but it's just, it was that kind of magical wonderland of time. And Game 3 stood out because of, you know, the energy inside the stadium, the way that the Jets had actually managed to pull the goals back from almost nothing. You know, Winnipeg did deserve to uh, win that game in certain areas, but you could also tell Nashville was 
the big bad when it came to uh, round two opponents. This was Winnipeg's Stanley Cup game, essentially a major turning point in the entire series, and it showed that the Jets were willing to fight through deficits, come back in spectacular fashion, and stare down an opponent that was, for many other teams, a boogeyman. The Preds that year, and in previous seasons, they were one of the top teams to beat, and yet the Jets found ways to get by them and ended up winning that series, and a lot of it, I think, came in that Game 3. I think the Jets realized that they could pull it off, that they could advance to the uh, the, uh, the the conference finals, and they did. They got really close to glory. You could feel that the Jets were so close to pulling it off, and then, of course, they met Vegas. So in that respect, I think Game 3 for me, even if the Jets didn't win the Cup, that was still, for me, one of the most important Jets games of all time, and I think it's one of the best that I think anyone will ever get to watch. The momentum swings are constant. The energy was at first nervous and then absolutely raucous after the Jets started clawing goals back. You could just feel how important this game was to the city and to Winnipeg as a franchise. It felt like a moment that was going to be forever etched in the minds of every Winnipeg fan out there. And it had that intensity of being the kind of game that decided a playoff destiny. It didn't end up uh, panning out exactly as we'd hoped, but still, I think all of us will always treasure that game. Attending in person was a personal highlight for me, you know, regardless of sport or event. Still one of my favorite things I've ever gotten to experience. And if ever Winnipeg finds itself in a similar series against a team that's like a another juggernaut, I highly suggest you find a way to go. It's an unbelievable experience. The street parties are crazy, the fans are in absolute dreamland when the Jets score a goal, and you will be too. If you remember anything about that special night, be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's podcast, though, that is going to be where we end our memory lane trips, at least for the time being. We'll have more Advent calendar memories in the weeks running up till Christmas, but for tonight's episode, again, that is going to do it. Thank you for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your favorite platforms, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. And as always, thank you so much for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!